3: What's up, everybody? I'm new to this. Tommy does this all the time, but Sean and Sherelle and I are uh, are new to this ball game. So if this is uh, if this is trash, blame Tommy. Um,
4: blame There's, me. I just felt like oh, we my uh, to...
3: my mic is not working. You sound good. We
5: got you. I think it's just my computer.
4: Hold on.
3: <laughs> all right, we'll sign off and come back in. Hey, look. Um, happy everybody's here. I uh, wish it was under better circumstances, but. Um, we wanted to have this show live tonight just because it's it's the culmination of the season. And I think in the last half hour to an hour, there's been a lot of stuff that's developed. So I wanted to uh, do this live, do it a little bit different since we're officially putting a bow on the season. Because in case you have not heard, and I'm assuming 99% of the people that are here tonight have heard, uh, the Tar Heels will not be playing in any postseason stuff. Um, they declined a bid to the NIT. Uh, Coach Davis and the staff are the – Basketball office, I'm sorry, put out a statement uh, just now. It says they will be focusing on uh, returning and playing for an ACC and national championship next year. Uh, So we're going to kind of start discussing tonight all of that stuff. But to get rolling, just remember we're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. If UNC had some NIT shirts, Johnny T-Shirt would have them. Uh, If North Carolina played in the NCAA tournament this year, Johnny T-Shirt would have them. And so Uh, I want to make sure you guys remember them, show them some love. And here we sit, March the 12th, you know, last year we're talking about an improbable run to a national championship. And as we sit tonight, the Tar Heels at 20 and 13 are done. Of those 13 losses, 11 were to teams that actually did make the NCAA tournament. Um, And they've gone from a preseason favorite to a preseason to a postseason skipped. So, Uh, first thing I want to do is is go to go to Sherelle and Sean boys give me one game that would have changed (laughs) this team's uh postseason fortunes just pick one game that would have gotten North Carolina into the big dance Sean I'll go to you first
5: Uh, I mean so many so many to choose from but I guess I'll just start at the at the beginning Iowa State um you know they they ended up uh falling back a little bit at the towards the end of the year but they win that game, I think it 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 provides character uh, they were easily clearly the better team in that game had chances to to go up go up ten plus points up seven points with four plus minutes to go and uh just gave up that lead lead so quickly and I think that was a a sign of things to come in terms of being the better team in a lot of situations, but getting frazzled not being able to close and unfortunately uh not having really having those the, the wins that were needed uh, to to strongly make their case besides UVA at home, but they had a lot of chances. And I think the Iowa state game was just a sign of things to come with obviously Alabama being the easy one to point to, given the number one overall seed.
3: Sure. Same question, man. Can you pick one game that would have, uh, che- that you feel like would have changed UNC's fortunes?
6: I, I kind of go towards Pitt, honestly uh, at Pitt. Uh, that was another game where they were up by seven or eight in the second half, you know, have a lead and, couldn't hold on to it. If you look at how the committee kind of uh, did the rankings of all the teams, you, you got to think that if North Carolina splits with Pitt or at least doesn't lose twice of them, maybe they get in over Pitt. You, you saw Seth Davis throughout the day kind of tweeting about uh, net rankings and how actually they weren't important. So it was kind of, I think, conditioning to see that two teams, Arizona State and Pittsburgh, that had lower net ratings, got in over some teams who were in the 40s. So I'll go with that Pitt because that would have been um, another Q one win, I believe, uh, and you also would be taking a team
3: that was on the bubble with you and getting a win with them and going from a sweep to a split. Tommy, you're here. Join the conversation. Give me one. Give me one game that you feel like uh, would have changed the Tar Heels from you know outside looking in to getting a, a an invite.
4: Uh, I agree with everything. And first of all, thanks for having me. I kind of crashed this party, but I wanted to get it live because um, I knew people were very interested in Carolina basketball at the moment. But to your question, Joey, I think any of them, any one game, I I think, gets Carolina in. Iowa State, Alabama for sure. Either Pitt game, the NC State game in Raleigh, maybe the Virginia game in the ACC tournament. Uh, I think when you look at how it – first of all, we've all thought the net was – or at least I've thought the net was garbage. And you see teams way down the net getting in. And Carolina did not and so I think just uh, I think the committee basically said one game one game where you make a defensive stop or get a rebound um against any of those teams any of those 13 losses I guess Indiana they got blown out NC State they ended up losing by a lot but yeah it, it was it's that simple for this team given how the tournament set up given how it played out right there um I mean Clemson swept NC State and beat them bad. And it wasn't times. close.
3: Like the three beatings were like just skull dragging type beatings. Yeah.
4: Yeah. But but the bottom line is, and Sherelle has said this and you said it and Sean said it, Carolina has no one to blame except the man in the mirror in this. And you know, it's as simple as one game, but is it really that simple, Joey? What does what does Michael Jackson have to do with anything? Hey, um, he was right. Sorry. Sorry. You're just, it's, it's, it's,
3: you know how it goes on this show, man. That's low hanging fruit. I'm going <laughs> to jump all over it. Um, Guys, Tommy makes a great point. I think, you know, the only two bad losses North Carolina had bad with respect to resumes and stuff like that uh, were Indiana and Indiana was just because of the point margin. And then the way they, they got kind of drugged by Wake Forest, I think are the two that you look at that were not really competitive. Um, I, I want to ask you, Sherelle, it's, do you feel any sense of relaxation? And I'm throwing this out to the, to the folks that are in this chat right now, too, however many uh, hundred of you are in there. Cheryl, do you feel any sort of relaxation now that the, the angst of the last three weeks is officially over? You know, that like now it's, okay, we don't have to worry about this team getting in because they're not in and everything's over with?
6: Uh, no, I think because kind of resigned to that after the NC State loss. That's kind mm-hmm. of for me when I, I felt like the season really got away from them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, it might be a relief to maybe some folks in the Smith Center because it it seems based upon everything that's been coming out that, you know, there is there were some major issues that maybe we don't know about. And maybe we'll never know about um, that were festering. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe I, I told you I think I told you this offline, but it is almost like this group of guys was just kind of like they have nothing left to give um, yeah. it, almost that kind of feeling like. They they did what they could. They didn't make it, and now it's just their their, their tanks are empty, so to speak. Um, we'll see. And but,
3: it's hard yeah, to I, get up. It's hard to get up for an nit tournament. too. I understand that. I get that. I you know well, I, again, never well, played, but I I get that. Well, we can talk about that. We'll but, get there. We'll get um,
6: there. Um, yeah. I, so may, maybe it is uh, relief might not be the right word, but it is good to have some finality and know yeah. that this season is over, and now it's time to you know move forward and
3: start the off season program and, and all that entails. Sean, uh, I want to come to you. Do you feel like there would have been any sort of, and I know we've all been trying to wrap our heads around this for the past six weeks, but do you think the tournament vibe would have been the spark that this team needed, kind of like last year? Do you think that would have been the the magic potion they were lack that they were lacking?
5: I, I don't know if there we would have been finding the magic potion this year, but I think to answer the question you asked, Sherelle, I would say I'm I'm more frustrated because I think. It would have been nice to at least have have seen or have gotten that opportunity where maybe they do lose in the the first four or the the first round. But you know, at the same time, outside of maybe one or two teams, I think they'd probably be favored or maybe a, a one or two point underdog against literally anybody in the tournament. Uh, you know, not to mention you see some of the teams that got in. Um, you know, I could probably go through a whole list of them. I'll just call it Mississippi State as one. I think they had thirteen of their. 20 wins against teams, 170 or above um, without any significant marquee wins. So, you know, I'd say frustration just because it would have been nice to see if they could have got that magic potion or at least gotten that opportunity. Uh, Because once again, from a talent standpoint, it's there. It never fully clicked. But at the same time, they could have beat Alabama early on who's the top team in the country right now. So I'd say more frustration. I don't I don't think they would have gone on a, on a long run, uh, especially with the shooting that has gone on this year. But at the same time, I think they, they could have, uh, I think the whole year they're a team that was literally just waiting to get into the tournament to try to turn it on, which is, a <laughs> uh, as we saw a very dangerous proposition, but they didn't even get there and it would have been nice to at least gotten just one opportunity to see how they could, could do.
3: So as we sit here, um, if you are not a premium member or a premium subscriber at InsideCarolina.com, you want to go ahead and do that. Sherelle posted a juicy scoop, not minutes before we came on the air tonight, um, and it's the kind of stuff you're only going to find by, be, by being a premium member to IC, so go ahead and make that happen. Um, there is a, uh, there's a very, um, I don't want to say uh, wallet-busting deal right now, but I would say for a dollar, Tommy, is that right? And you can get you can get it your first month for a dollar right now? Is that true? You're muted, bro. I'm
4: not used to not driving. Uh, yeah, dollar for your first month, and of course, look, it is worth it regardless, especially in the off season. Sherelle just knocks it out of the park nearly every day, definitely every week. Um, at, at inside Carolina Premium, and so folks need to jump on it, especially for the dollar deal. Hey, don't I'll take that for a dollar. Don't let uh
3: don't. You can almost get your senior coffee for a dollar too, Tommy. Uh, don't let Sherelle's stoic, uh, stoic visage and um, really even keel fool you. The man knows things and he shares things as he is able to confirm them. So, uh, there's a good scoop up there right now. Premium subscribers hit it up, uh, if you're not, you need to remedy that for just a buck. All right. So, elephant in the room. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and tackle it. Why decline a bid to the NIT? I uh, just sit here reading the chat. There are a ton of different, um, ton of different questions about it, ton of different folks falling on both sides of the issue uh, about, you know, whether it's a good or a bad thing. Uh, Cheryl, I'm going to come to you first. Why would UNC decline a bid? And you can be hypothetical or you can share things that, that maybe you've, uh, maybe you've, you've, you've been told so far. Well, we won't really 100% know until Kira
6: Davis is in front of the media again, and we don't know when that's going to be. Um, typically, there wasn't a like end-of-year press conference usually that UNC does. They usually do one over the summer. So the next chance that uh, the media might have to talk to him might be in June. So we'll see uh, from that front. Um, as far as why, um, you know, this is in the scoop, and I think it's kind of been circulating, but there was a vote from the team whether or not they wanted to play. Now, the context there is we don't know if the vote was the final decision or the vote was one data point um, for what was going to happen next. That's the context we're missing. Um, but I think the to what we said earlier, I think the players just felt like their emotional journey uh, was at an end. I am not assigning any value to that. I'm just telling you kind of where things stand. Um, and I think that, to me, that was one data point in in the reasoning for not accepting. And if you look at Hubert Davis' statement, it, it read pretty much like, we didn't accomplish our goals, we're not gonna do this. That, that's kind of how I read it, um, the statement that UNC put out. So I think if you look at those two things, you can kind of form your own conclusions, but we won't know 100% like the right answer until Hubert Davis talks to media.
3: Sean, what's your take on that? I mean, I, I hate just saying, Sean, give me your take, but how, what are your initial feelings having, having read that and seen what the, the statement was from, from the basketball program?
5: Uh, I, I mean, I, I would say mixed. I know there's extremely strong opinions about the entitlement that, that it shows and it not being a, a great look. Uh, I mean, I think even if they had been in the last four in, I think it still would have been tough for them mentally. To almost uh, go from the UVA game to uh, to play, playing playing a tournament game, but I think for me it, it's still more the the macro macro issue of you know this after after the tournament last year, um, you know there's no given you're going to get get back to the championship game, but at the same time it did feel the Carolina basketball program had had righted itself uh, in terms of of getting into the national spotlight, going into a summer uh, filled with UNC, having positive talk, being a number one, top five team going on the recruiting trail, Carolina's being talked about. Uh, You have everybody returning. So you can really, what you, you know, and freshmen coming in. So you feel like, okay, here's a year of stability. You get the young guys ready. You know, everybody graduates or leaves. The young guys are coming up and, it's just kind of now a continuous process versus the herky jerky um, program that's been over the last few years. And unfortunately it feels like all that has been wasted. Um, You know, even going with Gigi's decommitment last summer to to this year's play and you know, the 2024 class is fantastic on paper, but that's a long time (laughs) to to get there. Uh, And once again, they'll still be freshmen. So, you know, I, I think it's frustrating. I would have liked to have seen them play. I think, to Sherelle's point, there were a lot of internal issues, but it would have been nice to see, at least the young guys get some time. Uh, the last two NITs, very different expectations and and feelings, but I think those turned into fun. Pressure, you know, without a lot of pressure runs that that helped. Uh, you know, look at UVA last year, UNC eliminated them. Uh, they got they got some good experience in the NIT. They all improved in the off season, and now they're mm-hmm. a, a, you know a four seed while while UNC sit in at home, but to me i don't know in in one or two weeks i think the nit discussion will be will be over uh but it's more the program and how i think it could have been at this point in time and and where it's at right now is really for me the the issue and the concern and the disappointment
3: go ahead shrill so i'll
6: i'll add a, a, a couple of things uh so if it's a situation um where they weren't going to have enough bodies to play in the game or um, they just couldn't physically get there because only four people were going to be healthy slash want to play, then, then I understand, understand the decision. Um, I will say, however, though, that I've seen a lot of comparisons with the opting out in football. Um, and so, you know, players can opt out. I, I have no issue with that. If there are players on this basketball team who did want to play in the NIT and say, that's that's fine, that's your prerogative. But the North Carolina basketball program that, it's hard for me to accept um, them opting out again, unless it's a situation where there just weren't five guys or six guys to mm-hmm. be able to play um, because you, you know, you do kind of hold yourself to a standard. Mm-hmm. You talk about starting fights and finishing fights and, you know, you talk about some of the things that have been said over the last couple of years. And um, it can be frustrating for a fan base when, your actions don't match your words and i think that's kind of where the frustration lies with declining the nit invite again there could be reporting to come out that says you know they had five guys who could play and you you can't play Mm -hmm. a 40-minute basketball game with only five guys Um, and i guess the typical reason for people to opt out is like they want to get ready for the nba or Mm -hmm. you know their their eligibility is exhausted well there are guys on the team who are not going to the NBA next year and whose eligibility hasn't been exhausted. So I think my, I don't want to say ire, but my question is why didn't those guys maybe want to play? So that that's where I'm kind of at. Um, but again, we'll, we'll see what reporting comes out in the next few days, but individual players don't have to play, but it is a bit disappointing that North Carolina as a program decided not to.
3: I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that the, the struggle here is from my perspective and I think what I'm feeling from a lot of folks both on social and and in the chat here, and thanks to everybody who's part of the show tonight, it feels like a big messaging issue and a big messaging issue for North Carolina. And and I'm gonna throw some raw meat to Tommy here in a second. Um, North Carolina has often been judged as being very insular and um, very high on itself. And, And I think that there's a messaging issue when you have a coach like Hubert Davis who in his introductory press conference says, we're going to show up and we're going to compete. So to turn down an NIT invite sounds kind of the opposite of that to these very immature ears. Tommy, uh, how do you feel about the the team declining an NIT bid? Because I'll be honest, you were, you were champion at the bit yesterday on Inside Carolina Live, which we do every Saturday morning from 10 until noon on WCHL and Chapelboro.com. Tommy, how do you feel about the team turning down an NIT bid?
4: What do you think, Joey? How do you think I feel about it? Um, To Sherelle's point, players can opt out, but players can't come back after they opt out. If you opt out, then you're moving on. And so to that point, and also the 40-minute, five guys can't play 40 minutes. Well, Hubert Davis proved that they can um, for the most part of the past two years. Um, So – to those two points, but to the whole, the overarching point that you're talking about is North Carolina played themselves into the NIT and then they picked up their ball and they went home because they didn't like the situation. And that is a bad look, no matter how you shape it, no matter how you spin it. If, if eight guys were injured, then say that, you know, like Greg has talked about (laughs) Hubert Davis's messaging point since he got there and Joey, you referenced it in his first press conference. He said, North Carolina is going to show up. He didn't say Armando Bacot is going to show up or Caleb love is going to show up or Jackson Watkins is going to show up. He said, North Carolina was going to show up and they have opted out of the NIT for whatever reason they want to say it's a bad look. And I've taught my children as I'm sure everybody here has, or will is, you rather lose than quit. And I don't see how they can spin it any other way than, than they quit. I mean, it, am I being too harsh? I don't think so. Um, but the bottom line is you earned the NIT bid. So go take it, 2010. And Greg and Sherelle and I were on the Post-Virginia podcast, which was very similar to this one. But, Greg, but Sherelle, we had the If This Happens discussion. And now here we are, Roy Williams in 2010 had just won a national championship and they got an NIT bid and everybody in the building wanted them to decline it. Well, that's the story. And Roy Williams said, that's not happening. We're playing. We're North Carolina. We do not just say no. And so that's the most disappointing. I think for me, having covered this program for 25 years, having watched this program for 50 plus that's probably the most what-are-we-doing-here-now point as, as I've ever seen in, in, in all that time. So, yeah, I get it. Armando's hurt. I get it. Feelings are hurt, but you still strap it up and play. Sherelle, you said it the other night. Ball players play ball. And however they voted, or was it, the bottom line is they're not playing. And the bottom line is the message it says is that we're too good – for what we earned because they earned the NIT. So I'm, I'm just at a loss other than, you know, somebody said, I can see Tommy wants to go on a rant. No, I don't because it's just disappointing to see it. And, and, Joey, that's where I'm at right now. The disappointment for those guys that maybe some of them wanted to play, maybe they all didn't. I don't know. But the bottom line is North Carolina took their ball and went home after a season – of showing exactly what they were. I feel like they sort of proved it tonight, declining the NIT bid.
3: Sherelle, I want to ask you, do you feel like um, – I think one of the knocks that we've talked about all year is um, is how UNC and the staff did not develop their bench. Do you feel like they might be missing an opportunity here by turning down the NIT to, to let some of these young guys you know, get some reps, or do you think that was just – they were going to play who they've been playing regardless and maybe those guys are not there and and if you don't
6: well I believe we lost Joey so I will try to answer his question um, that's a nice resting face he has right there uh, <laughs> I, I think um, so a couple of things um, just note keeping so I've I've seen people talk about Duke declining an NIT bid. That was a little bit different because that was a COVID year and it was in a bubble. So to me, it's not exactly the same thing. Uh, and I think what's most analogous to this situation for UNC is UNC football has been in some awful bowl games in states, and cities that everyone here dislikes. Um, but you've never heard of UNC football turning down a bid to the, you know, we had a terrible year bowl. They always go whether or not, you know, individual players go, the football program is there. And so I I just keep going back to that and that the basketball program, it feels like maybe should be there again, absent some information that we don't have at the moment, as far as playing the bench uh, in, in the NIT, you know, uh, I, I I get both schools of thought on that, that he Davis hasn't played the bench a whole much, you know, during uh, the season. So why would he play the bench during the NIT? Um, I think that's a, a perfectly valid line of thought. Uh, to me, it almost seems like, and I'm just, this is not source information or anything. It almost seems like they did not think this was possible until Thursday night. And they hadn't even thought of any contingencies. They hadn't let it come in, into their mind that they might not make the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, you have three days basically to, to react to the fact that reality is set in. Um, so it just outside looking in, that's kind of what it felt like to me. But um, I wanted to add one more thing <laughs> for a lot of the talk about this program is just how special it is to be a North Carolina player about how every time you run out of the Smith Center tunnel that you should appreciate that uniform because of the history behind it, because of the jerseys and the rafters, because of everyone that came before you that allows you to play at North Carolina. So it is, a, a, I think, a bit tough um, from the outside looking in to understand if that is the message that's been given to recruits and players over the years, how you turn down the opportunity to once again wear the UNC jersey, even if it is in a tournament that you know you're not necessarily wanting to play in. And when I say you, I'm talking about the program, not an individual person. Um, so again, Greg Barnes, uh, December of 2021, said that UNC basketball he felt like has a messaging problem, and I think here we stand, you know, 17 months later. I think that's probably still the case because things just aren't lining up the way um, actions and words just aren't lining up, it seems like.
0: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill.
3: Hey, sorry about that. Not really sure what happened i think uh I think my internet turned down a bit to keep working. <laughs> um, but uh one of the things I want to ask about is is what did this say of, and, and if if you guys did this while I was out, let me know. what does this say about just the overall the overall feel around the program'cause uh, you know, a lot of folks are saying and I go back to the messaging thing without any follow up from Hubert Davis about why or anything else this just feels like there's something rotten in Denmark. Right. And, uh, Sherelle, I'm gonna come to you. And I want to hear Sean's thought about that too, is, is, what does this say about the current state of the program overall? Just looking on, on, the, on you know, on the surface.
6: I'm going to yield my time to the gentleman from California. Cause I just spoke for like five minutes straight. So Sean, if you want to go ahead and then we go back. <laughs>
3: <here>. <laughs> Sorry about that.
5: Um, I mean, I think it's, you know, this, the state of the program, you know, I, you You read the you know you read the Hubert Davis press conferences over the past number of games, uh even going back to the the Indiana game and it's always felt there has been a detachment uh i think between the players and the staff in in some sense or um you know maybe some some issues also the the comments uh, you know going around about when you're speaking uh when you're speaking to the team, you're speaking to the parents and the agents and the you know, the shooting coaches, et cetera. Um, And it's always, it's kind of just run me the wrong way in terms of there isn't, everybody's not, has not been in sync this year. I would have been, once again, were they waiting, you know, for the tournament to turn it on probably, but we all know that you can't, you can't do that. I think for me, the question is, how do you, how do you rate the ship? Any, any goodwill that was earned with a championship run, I think has been fully, fully lost. If not, if not more, uh, which is going to make this a long, long off season, uh, depending on who returns, who comes back, who comes in. Uh, but then at the same time, how does the team look next year? This is once again, four, four years of pretty much average uh, play in, in the ACC. I think there are six or eight games over 500, but once again, out, outside of a few teams each year, the ACC has been pretty, uh, you know, it's easy. It should be easy to pre- compile a lot of wins in, in the ACC over over these past few years so i think in general it just speaks to uh, disconnect uh it speaks to frustration and it, and it speaks to things definitely need to change uh because if they don't it, I, I, you know this could this could get even uglier um very very quickly uh and once again there's no number one recruit coming in and we'll see what the portal holds but that takes a lot of time to to gel i mean even with brady coming in it took took time to gel and there's no Quick fix? There's no quick answer, but it, it, I wish I wish there was because right now it's just a lot of a lot of frustration.
4: Let me let me jump in because where I was going here, and Joey, I want to get your take. um So I, I want to go across the board to Sean's point is like, how do you get back from this, right? So I think the work is going to be unbelievably hard to get back from this. Personally, um the fan base is disappointed. Um, the national narrative is not going to be good. Um, and you know how UNC is concerned about the national narrative. I mean, they've always been, uh, and so here we are, but Sherelle, I'll, I'll go with you. And then Joey after Sherelle is what can be done now to, to get back. And I'm not talking about on the court. I'm talking about, you had a bad season. Uh, you've had a bad stretch of four years, five ish. And, and now, You've done this. I mean, I, if I'm looking ahead, I'm wondering what do they do to, to dig out of this hole that they have created for themselves, and I'm not just talking about poor basketball.
6: It, it's what we talked about the other day, Tommy. It's, uh, I think, introspection. Um, it's a lot of, as you said, kind of looking in the mirror. Um, it's uh, 100% uh, putting your, your standard and, and, and stamp on everything. It's uh, having 100% autonomy to do what you feel like needs to be done. Um, It's having difficult conversations. It's explaining to people what their role is, what their role should be, and what their role won't be moving forward. Um, It's recruiting, which they've done really well with thus far. Um, It's getting in the portal. It's uh, all those things mixed together. It's it's all the roster management stuff. And then, excuse me, it's it's also just kind of understanding your weaknesses and being willing to have someone help you with those weaknesses. I think we talk a lot about players and their mental toughness and you know turning down a good shot for a great shot. I think you know the the coaching staff and UNC basketball program as a general in general has to do the same thing. Um, has to be willing to take coaching, so to speak, from maybe people um, outside of the building and also be willing to take it from people. Who maybe are not directly um, in the basketball program, but who are at the university, and say, you know, what do you think about this? And just just ask questions, be curious, um, try different things. Because I think we have two years now um, of of uh, kind of uh, I was going to say mid, and nobody's going to know what that means. Of average results outside of <laughs> um, that seventeen and four stretch to end the season last year. Um, so you know you're halfway. You know I, I feel like all coaches should get four years. I've always said that. And Heber Davis has been at UNT for two now. Um, so that pressure each month, each day, each week is going to get ratcheted up a little bit until um, you know the fan base and honestly the national media kind of feel that North Carolina is back to where it's supposed to be. So I think you have to do all that in the off season. Um, it's it's self scout, it's introspection, it's all those things and figure out what went wrong, identify it, root it out, get rid of it, and and move forward.
4: Joey, what do you think? I mean, we talk about it a lot on Inside Carolina Live, and if folks don't listen to that show, it's on the YouTube channel. Um, we had some good discussion. One of the best discussions we ever had, and a lot of people might need it right now, is Dr. Lori Ritual, uh, You got her name. You can pronounce it correctly. Either way, Richard, she's awesome. Yeah, you had it. And she is, uh, a, and, and that's on the YouTube channel or, and on the podcast feed, if folks hadn't listened to that, um, just a great breakdown of how to deal with this. If you're so inclined um, to listen to somebody give the help um, that you might need. Uh, but Joey, it, it, you've got some opinions and, and I love the way you drive this ship. but I want to get your opinions in here and tell us um, if we didn't already lose you again to your internet opting out. <laughs> Can you hear me all right? Yeah, we got you. Your opinion on how Carolina gets back okay. from this? Okay. I'm. Uh, it's. I'm. I'm here.
3: I can see y'all and I can hear y'all. And just. Uh. I. I have no idea why I decided to crap out tonight. Um. Shout out to AT and T. Um. So. Am I dead again?
4: No, you're there. No. Go. I can see your big head. Okay. Bring all it. right.
3: Um. Good. Good. Um. Yeah, Dr. Lori Richel nailed it the other night, and if you guys haven't heard that, hit your uh, get your your podcast feeds up and running. I think what Sherelle said is pretty spot on. It's got to be much like the football program dealt with in a sense that you've got to be really honest with yourselves. Um, you have to really have to be sure that you're being honest with each other and that you're holding each other accountable, and that goes top down. And I think that's kind of the the frustration that a lot of fans are seeing right now is they don't feel like there's been any real accountability, and there hasn't been a ton, a ton of, of adjustment or willingness to change early on. Now, where I will stop is with this Fire Hewitt nonsense, right? I know people are, are, want to see something different and people want to, to change things, but the, the assumption that just getting rid of this coach and this staff after two years is going to make things better is so short-sighted. And so asinine that I I can't really put it into words, because if you're making the assumption that you're going to get rid of this guy. What coach in his or her right mind is going to come to UNC saying they just fired one of their own who was an assistant and was a head coach that took him to a national championship less than 12 months ago. Who wants that job? Who wants to deal with that? Right. So I can understand being upset with the staff. I can understand feeling like there should be some changes and feeling like there should be some things done differently, but I don't see how you can call yourself a fan and say that you want Hubert Davis fired after you know again less than a year after he had you one half away from the national championship. That's just that's sh- that's so short sighted and shows an inability to really consider nuance that I I can't I can't even I can't even have a conversation with that. Um, and I do think, like Cheryl said, it's it it comes down to really um, analyzing yourself. And shout out to the NC State fan here asking questions. I mean, y'all just yeah, had man. your y'all just had your y'all just had your best record in 20 years, and you're on a UNC chat. Never change, State fan. Um, I, <laughs> Oregon, so though, I'd, I'd like to. Yeah, um, I do think having some new guys in helps too. Like getting some new bodies in. Can they have some wins in the in the portal? And Sheryl can speak more to that. Sean can speak more to what kind of stuff they need at. I will say they need some shooters. Sean, do you feel like it's it's that easy as bringing in some guys that can, that can shoot better than 30%? I don't
5: think it's that, that easy, but that would, that would definitely help. I mean, I think, you know, from a, once again, a larger perspective, they need to, they need to find an identity. I think even during the run and, and, the run last year was more than just a, a six game run. They did go 15 and five in the ACC. Yes, it was a little weak, but uh, I think in general, the fan base, like what is, what is the identity of, of Hubert Davis from an offensive and defensive perspective? I think we're still trying to, trying to figure that out, you know, offensive rebounding, they've been good, but that's really because only Armando Baycott has, has been there these, these two years. And I think that could easily fall right off a cliff Uh which which is kind of I'd say the last tie to the Roy Williams era. So, what is the identity? Uh, they need a true point guard. That whether that's Elliot Cadeau or or somebody from the portal, uh, you know, you can't be UNC and not be able to run run transition. I, I think that was probably one of the more frustrating things this year was just seeing guys take it all the way or not even being able to execute a simple uh, two on one bounce pass. Uh, I watched the Alabama semifinal game; they threw more alley oops and in that game, uh, than we've seen at UNC in the past, in the past 10 years. And I think they need somebody that can, uh, push the ball, but at the same time, you know, whether RJ comes back or whoever comes back, let them do what they do best, let them score, but you need somebody with a vision, um, and somebody that can get people involved. I saw, we, we saw the assist numbers this year. And then finally, uh, you go to Hubert's first interview and to Joey's point, uh, what, what was the quote? Can they shoot can they shoot? Can they shoot? And this, this year, um, you know, they, they couldn't couldn't shoot at all. And when you're looking at that, the three spot, the four spot, you know, even to some extent, the five spot, you need to be able to not only shoot, but you need to have, have versatility uh, so that you can switch on different positions. You can attack the basket and then you can run maybe the NBA offense that Keyword trying to run. Um, you know, last point was watching the Missouri uh, Missouri game, uh, Missouri-Tennessee, and they made a comment that every time Missouri's come out of time, a timeout, they've scored. And when they said that towards the end of the game, one of the plays looked exactly what we've been used to UNC running, the dribble handoff, high pick and roll, uh, two guys uh, left wing, left corner, just kind of stand standing there. However, there was a little bit more off-ball movement, and you had, you had guys that could – You the shot off and you had guys that could shoot. And it's as simple as, I think, being able to put the ball in the basket a little bit better. You can't be in the 300s from a three-point percentage. So identity, versatility, and a true point guard, I'd say, are are how UNC at least gets back to being in the conversation for a tournament bid next year.
4: Sean, and we've lost Joey again, and I'm trying to manage the overlays and all that stuff. Joey, come back as soon as possible. Uh, Sean, let me ask you a question as far as being out on the West Coast. Um, going back a little bit to the national narrative about North Carolina, what is it out there? Because realistically we're all in the bubble of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, um, and at worst the Southeast, um, what is the national look at at North Carolina from where you sit out in California on the daily?
5: Well, it's not as ferocious in terms of, uh, you know, life, life and death, but you know, you have UCLA, a, a two seed, a team UNC beat, and a team that, that lost more than UNC did in, in the offseason. But I think y- the question is, what, what happened to this team? Because you you're still looking at the names, R.J. Davis, K.L. Love, Vicky Black, Armando Baycott, and you're wondering what the heck happened. Um, and But that's been going on for a few months. So it's not as uh, dire, but I think today it, it's – reared its ugly head with one unc not making it uh one unc being in the conversation for preseason you know first preseason number one that that didn't make the team and, and now the nit so unc is currently in the national media just in a in a pretty horrible way uh but i think the main question is what what happened and how could things have gone so wrong without major major injuries
4: yeah, I think the narrative or, or the moral of the story is the line is very thin uh, for for winning consistently in college basketball. And that, and that tells me two things. One, it shows – well, I thought Joey was in. There's Joey. It tells me, one, uh, how difficult it had to have been for Dean Smith and Roy Williams to keep this program where it was forever since early 60s. Uh, I mean – that's one thing Carolina fans need to, to realize. And that's one thing to sort of bred the anger and all that we see these days with when they're not as good as they're supposed to be, but also is that you have to be good at it and keep it together. So Sherelle, Joey, you got us. I think y'all got me. Yeah, we still got you. Sherelle, let me ask you this from a recruiting standpoint, everything Sean talked about what they need. Um, you know, Obviously, they've got some recruits coming in down the road, but it feels like, and you were covering it then, but it feels like we're sort of doing the exact same thing we did with Ray, with Rashad, and with Sean, uh, I guess 20 years ago. Literally, 20, 21 years ago, um, somebody that comes in is going to have some monster expectations of getting Carolina basketball back to where it belongs.
6: I mean, you could argue that the Caleb Love class, the class of 2020, had those same expectations. You know, uh, in 2018-19, UNC went to the Sweet 16 with number one seed, probably make the final four, maybe, outside of some flu issues. And then 1920 happened. And, you know, they wouldn't have made the tournament, you know, save it being canceled for COVID. And so then you have this top, you know, two recruiting class with four, I think, top 30 players in it coming into Chapel Hill, and they're going to save today and it just hasn't worked out that way. Um, so I, I would tell people to be aware of, of those expectations, especially on freshmen, even as good as, you know, Ray Felton, Rashawn McCants, and Sean May were. Um, it wasn't really a hundred percent till year three when everything clicked. Um, and, you know, to be fair, they had a, a different coach then, uh, but it, it wasn't until year three. Uh, so I would, I'd, I'd say, watch out for that. But the beauty of what college basketball is now, some, maybe beauty wasn't the right word, but with what college basketball is now, you don't have to wait for that recruiting class to get here, to get better. You could go out if you really, really wanted to and find an entire new starting five, you know, top seven uh, in the portal over the next month. If if North Carolina really wanted to now, Hebert Davis has said that's not his desired way of team building. He wants a kind of healthy mix of high school players of upperclassmen of, you know, really talented freshmen and portal guys. Uh, So, we'll see what happens, but I think, you know, we've been very doom and gloom for 45 minutes now. So let me kind of move things forward. And if if you're (laughs) looking for a positive is that, like I said, you don't have to wait anymore for three or four years for that wonderful freshman class to come in and take over. Um, You can infuse your talent, your roster with talent immediately. Um, And I think, you know, we talk about reasons they may have turned down the the NIT um, aside from, you know, what we talked about earlier, Perhaps part of it is to to get a heads up on that kind of stuff, to have the tough conversations and meetings this week with the team so that as players start to enter the portal, they can be uh more aggressive. You know, he's Davis has used it both seasons. Uh UNC has used it uh, a, a lot between uh when grad transfer started all the way back in like 2010, uh to when the transfer portal started a couple of years ago. So the team can be rebuilt. I think to Sean's point, it just has to be rebuilt in a way in which hubert davis wants to play and right now we're not you know 100 percent sure of what that looks like so yeah. we can't really judge it until we we have a better picture of exactly what the the program goals are
3: yeah i think that's all i think it's all accurate hey shout out to johnny t-shirt and the 1100 folks that are in the chat right now that's really awesome you guys are um are really important also again shout out to the state fans here because god damn y'all are sad man like just we're sad because we had a bad year y'all in here spending your your night with us man never change um cheryl you know i kind of wanted to get there before we wrap where are we gonna go next you know i, I think that uh i think that there are probably some places that north Carolina's identified and as they have these conversations with players and move to the next phase um where do you feel like the where do you feel like things are going to go and if you have a timeline, feel free to share because again, I know we're also looking at I know we're also looking at you know potential reclasses for some guys that are committed in 2024?
6: In yeah, we tried to give a, a really detailed account of, of kind of all that in the scoop. I think the most important dates to remember moving forward right now are uh, the transfer transfer portal. I always say transfer portal, transfer. the transfer portal, the, the um, transfer portal. Yeah, it's been open for graduate students for about a week. Um, so those guys have, have been having in-home visits and um, can start taking official visits if they want to. It opens for underclassmen um, on Tuesday is when coaches can go in and, and start contacting people. You'll probably start to see a lot more guys enter it tonight and then and, and again tomorrow. Um, but Tuesday is when that actually can start. But Hubert Davis has said that he wants to know what he needs in the portal and wants to know kind of what... His, the decisions of, of the guys on his roster are before he starts really communicating and, and calling players and everything so i think the first thing is is uh meetings with players over the next few um days probably you know this coming week um talking about their future and what the roles might be what the roles might not be um those tough conversations that we've talked about and once that is kind of known i think you'll see unt be very aggressive with uh what they're looking for in the portal we know that even, even if the roster is exactly the same next year, we know that they need help on the wing uh, because they're losing Licky mm-hmm. Black, who has started pretty much every game in the last three years at the small forward spot. And they're losing Pete Nance, um, who started at the four and was basically the backup center as well this season. So we know they need help on the wing and probably some in the post. Um, and that's a, a good jumping off point uh, as they move forward. They've got Simeon Wiltshire and Zayden High um, coming in. Uh, Wiltshire is a, a point guard slash... Um, shooting guard, and I, I would consider Zayden um, a, a true college four with some capability of maybe playing five as well. Sean laughs, but that's just my opinion. Um, so that's that's kind of where things stand. And, you know, in addition to the, the transfer portal market, there's also high school decommits because coaches, you know, get new jobs. Mm-hmm. There's guys who ask out of their national letters of intent. Um, so there's a, a huge pool of players from which to choose that 20 years ago just wasn't there.
3: So, Sean, I want to ask you as well, I think um, I'm not going to ask you to start giving me scouting reports of everybody that's in the portal, but I would like to ask you um, if you can tell me what kind of what kind of stuff UNC needs to add. I think Cheryl did a good job of, of naming what the Tar Heels are going to miss in specific personnel. Um, but I think the obvious is, you know, is, is shooting. I think the obvious is scoring from the wing. What do you see and what does that what does that feel like to you?
5: I mean, it's a lot. I think I think you shooting is is a definite, but I think you need athleticism. Uh, you need people that can, you know, I, I don't foresee a wholesale change in offensive style. So you need guys that can that can break people down. That can that are athletic athletic enough to get to the basket and finish. Um, so I, I think you're you're looking at at a lot from shooting, athleticism, um, you, you know, and then once again, you need bigs that can stretch the floor i think the last thing anybody wants to see next year is is teams literally putting one to two players in the paint because there's such disrespect um you know for people on the carolina team which just makes everything that much more challenging uh so i think shooting but you got to be able to put the ball on the on the on the floor you utilize the pick and roll and and beat your man and get to the basket um i think even this year sometimes it was harder for uh, the guys to even utilizing the pick and roll, get getting to the basket and that's working with whoever decides to come back um, mm-hmm. and, and building that, not, not building that around them, but, but knowing what those strengths and weaknesses are and really being aggressive. You know, I think last year it, it was challenging uh, knowing that, Hey, you might only have one spot and really this spot needs to go to a four or five, uh, a four, or three and, I think from what they looked at last year, Matt Mayer and Pete Nance, for the most part, those were really the the two guys versus this year. It's a much larger, larger pool, you know, because I think we've seen many comments on, well, why didn't they look at Joiner? Why didn't they look at, at player X or Y? But it was really pigeonholed into a very certain player last year. Um, so I think they'll have more options, but at the same time, the talented players are going to be testing similar to last year, and it might not... <laughs> be known for a while. So I think they, they need, um they, they definitely need an influx of athleticism and shooting.
3: Well, that's, I think that's something that we'll probably find out in the next couple of weeks. Look, I know a lot of folks are asking questions in the, uh, in the chat here. Listen, we, there's a reason we don't do this show live because we typically, we're not a question format show. And that doesn't mean we don't care what y'all have to say, but it just, we try to kind of not take things until we can actually source them, can actually prove them. And Shrell works really hard to um, to confirm and find the stuff he can say. So the reason we're not sharing stuff with you is because you know, it hasn't been sourced and confirmed. And trust me, as soon as we know things, we will absolutely share them with the IC audience. And while I'm at it, if you're not a premium subscriber, there's a plug for you to do it. Get your $1, free mo- for $1 first month membership now, and then you can see the stuff because as soon as Cheryl knows it, he shares it. And as soon as Sean has a write-up on a guy, he shares it. So uh, be patient with us. But uh, I do appreciate everybody being here. Boys, before we get out of here, it's been almost an hour. Um, anything you want to get to tonight before we uh before we hit the bricks, Sean? No, no, no
5: two two pennies here. I, I think uh March is the the best time of, of year and it, it's still gonna be uh frustrating watching all these games and wondering what what could have been, you know, could have been a loss on Tuesday or Wednesday, or, or could it have been um, you know, being favored in the first round and then knocking out, you know having another upset to get to the second round I think that's going to be the most frustrating thing especially watching a ton of teams I still think UNC is is better than but at the same time they they didn't get it done going back to Iowa State it was a it was um, teams came to play extremely hard against UNC and UNC um, you know really just never rose to the challenge of some of these old teams that uh, hey we're going to we're better than you and we're gonna we're gonna put you down and you're gonna be done early and I think that was frustration throughout the season um it's done we'll continue to talk about the the NIT and and other stuff but now I think there's just large questions around the program and and what's going to happen uh to get or to try to get back to um you know kind of a a good state
3: yeah I love that Sean I appreciate it that was actually a really good uh Really good wrap up since uh, since you didn't want to have two pennies to share with us. Um, And for everybody here, like if you need some of that therapy, Tommy plugged it earlier. We went kind of off the off the script yesterday when we talked to Dr. Lori Richel and it's in your podcast feeds. Um, So go seek that out. She actually talks about why watching your favorite team losing sucks so bad. And I can tell everybody's kind of burnt up about that tonight. So go listen. Might actually make you feel better. Sherelle, give me two pennies, man
6: um not really a pennies per se uh but i'll say this now because nobody wants to hear it right now so that means it's probably the right time to say it out boy um this team's this group's legacy if this is the end is going to be extremely complicated i think forever Um uh, when, you're, when you're talking to your children in 15 20 years and trying to explain to them this three-year stretch of carolina basketball where you know there's uh a global pandemic and Roy Williams retires, and there's this amazing, amazing recruiting class, and they have four centers one season, and then the next season, they have 1.5 centers, and they have a they struggle during the regular season, and they bring in, you know, two really good transfers, and one of the transfers leaves in the middle of the season, and then after that, they go 17 and four, and you know, they have the two biggest non championship wins in Carolina history, and then the next season, everyone everyone comes back with the assumption that. You know they'll rent it back and have a chance to be in Houston and they don't make the tournament. So mm-hmm. I, I, I will say I know everyone's upset and, and rightfully so considering what happened this year, but you know give yourself some time to remember what this group did accomplish. Um, not saying yeah. you should trade it one for one. you should expect Carolina basketball to be excellent at all times um, but don't don't completely dismiss 2021-22 because of what happened in 202223. Um, again, the two biggest non-championship wins in the history of the program within a month of each other—that um, has to count for something. Um, yeah. So, uh, like I said, it, it's complicated because it's been tough, but they—they gave—they've—they've they've had the lowest of the lows um, now that they missed the tournament, and almost the highest of the highs. So it's been quite a, a 13, 14 month stretch for this group.
3: And I think it's okay for folks to be mad. I think you can say this is probably with respect to expectations comparing to last spring, you can say this was, you know, an epic fail. You can say this is a huge disappointment, whatever. But Shrill makes a great point because Tommy was in New Orleans with me last year and he knows what a great time we had for almost a week because of these same guys. So, it, yeah, I, I think it's easy to go back and and think about just the pure joy and exhilaration that came from this same group 12, you know, 12 months ago. Now, does that mean we have to be happy with this year? Hell no. Nobody's saying that. Tommy, guest to the show. Do you have two cents you would like to share with us before we wrap up, sir? Uh,
4: Listen to Sherelle talk. It kind of reminded me um, of the old Toby Keith song. I'm not as good as I once was, but I was good once (laughs) as I ever was. In Carolina, that run, beating Duke and beating Duke again in New Orleans was it for this bunch. So the legacy thing is, is complicated, as Sherelle says. I think for me, looking at it and shout out to the almost 1200 people that were in here at one time. Yeah. I've been doing the live shows for a few years now and Roy's retirement, Hubert's hiring and the final four Sunday live show last year, um, were the biggest ones, um, until now. And this is, so this is a final four, um, level show here that we're doing. And I appreciate y'all letting me do it, but I, I just think Carolina, has gotten a lot of self-inflicted wounds that they need to figure out how to handle and winning basketball games certainly cures everything uh, that is the easiest thing you a lot is forgotten forgotten when you score more points than the opponent and but right now Carolina's a long ways for that from that and you know the season starts like November 5th or 6th of next year so there's going to be a lot of um, repairing that Hubert Davis and his staff and this program and school need to do get the players they need and all that, but get the messaging, right. You know, I mean, it's okay to lose. Yeah. yeah I mean, everybody loses, but you can't quit. And I think that messaging and they need to figure that out going forward. Carolina's got a world-class journalism school and I will never <laughs> for the life of me understand why the messaging isn't ever an issue in Chapel Hill. Oh. And uh, you know, so and we talked about arrogance on, on the Virginia postgame podcast. We, we talked about some of that here. We've talked about all of it. Carolina needs to figure it out. And then the winning the basketball games will come. Um, and Hubert Davis has got to earn his keep here. He, he's, he's the head basketball coach at the University of North Carolina. And Carolina's basketball season just ended on March the 12th. And, and that's pretty tough to think about if you've been following North Carolina for a long time. So I appreciate it, Joey. Appreciate it, Sean yeah. and, and Ray for having me. And I'll step out of the way and let you get us out of here <laughs> right at the nine o'clock hour.
3: Yeah, so if anybody remembers anything about Roy Williams, you know, he wasn't a coach so long ago. And one of the things about Roy was his level of competitiveness. And if he lost, it would chap him so bad to where he would rather win and get better than breathe. Um, and so you kind of wonder, did Hubert Davis learn that, uh, from Roy Williams And, and what does that look like over the next few months and then moving into next season? Because I think some folks who said that maybe all the goodwill from last year is lost. Maybe we'll see. Um, we'll definitely find out next year. And, uh, as we find out things moving forward, season's over with, as we find things over the next little, next little bit, uh, we'll obviously change. We'll obviously share it with you guys and we'll try to to bring that ac- across as best we can. Um, but appreciate everybody being a part of IC and being a part of of this show. And you know, we'll still keep doing the coast to coast for the next couple of weeks and then we'll go back to our summer schedule. But again, as news breaks, as we find out who's leaving, who's coming, uh, you know, if there's any reclasses or anything like that, well, obviously we'll give you guys the heads up as best we can. Another plug, if you're not a premium subscriber, probably a pretty good chance to do that. Uh, get your first month for a buck. You won't regret it. All right, y'all. Thank y'all so much for being here. Uh, shout out to Shrill, He had to bail. Shout out to uh, Sean for being here all the way from the left coast. And to Tommy for joining us for a night. Uh, plug for subscribing to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you don't, listen to Inside Carolina Live every Saturday morning from 10 until noon on Chapelboro.com or on WCHL Terrestrial Radio. We appreciate y'all. Take care, and we will sign off for the night. Late.
1: Okay, picture this.